every school is different of course it is and not even just every school every classroom is different so even within watching the same film within each of the classes in the same school you're going to get different conversations and different outcomes and different talks but the important thing is that there is conversation and that it is accepted and then that is well-being when you can talk openly about yourself when people feel understood if you can increase understanding mm -hmm. which is ultimately the foundation and core of empathy you increase connection if you increase connection you increase trust if you increase trust you make better relationships what's the foundation of, of well-being good relationships it's the foundation mm -hmm. with your family with your friends with society mm -hmm. and if you then have better well-being you are happier if you're happier and you have great well-being you have greater productivity ready to learn why cash flow and compassion are not mutually exclusive each week brand strategist speaker and author maria ross will introduce you to the trailblazing brands and leaders who embrace empathetic tactics to reap huge rewards You'll learn about winning teams, brand wins and fails, unforgettable customer experience, and bold leadership decisions fueled by compassion. You'll get the latest trends and research, discover practical ways to infuse more empathy into your work and life, and hear from innovative market leaders who've smashed outdated models and redefined success. Welcome to the Empathy Edge podcast, the show that proves empathy isn't just good for society, it's great for business. If we help young people to develop empathy throughout their educational journey, they can boost understanding, reduce bias, and nurture a culture of belonging and increased well-being. Of course, many of us adults need this too. And my guest today, Ed Kerwin, founder and filmmaker of Empathy Week, is tackling this challenge for future generations so that maybe, just maybe, someday there won't be a need for empathy books like mine, because this skill will be so ingrained in our consciousness, starting from a young age. Empathy Week is an award-winning global schools program in 40 plus countries, using the power of film to develop the crucial skill of empathy in students aged five to 18. It starts this year on February 27th, a few weeks from now, and all schools and teachers are invited to take part online. Empathy Week has so far engaged over 140,000 students across 40 countries with a mission to build the hashtag empathy generation. Having worked with Cambridge University, Empathy Week has proven that empathy can be developed and also help increase students' self-esteem while reducing othering and stereotypes. Today, Ed talks about his journey from teacher to filmmaker and how he discovered the power of film to expand minds and activate behavior in his own classroom. Now through Empathy Week, he leverages film to develop empathy and expose students to different cultures, lifestyles, and points of view so they can better collaborate and create belonging. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator, please look into Empathy Week for your school. Enjoy the conversation. Ed Kerwin, welcome to the Empathy Edge to talk to us about all things Empathy Week and teaching children empathy. Welcome. Amazing to be here. Thank you for having me. So I want to start with your story because you are a filmmaker. You used to be a teacher. You are really all about human-led storytelling. Tell us a little bit about your journey and what brought mm. you to this work of helping children learn the skill of empathy. 
Oh, where do you want where do you want me to start? Early on, I'll, I'll probably start from maybe me as a as a kid at school because I think that's always interesting. I think that tells a lot about people. But um, I was an active young boy. Let's say I was involved in a lot of sport as a kid. I actually really enjoyed school. I had quite an interesting school in life in the sense that I went to um, a state school, public school in, in the US up until the age of 16. And then I actually went to a private sixth form or a private college, 16 to 18, and had a huge kind of shift in what I saw as education. But that's been super useful now as a as an adult, having seen the, the two kind of competing systems of education loved both for very different reasons um was very kind of i've always been quite practical led so i really enjoyed science because i just loved the practical side of it and i was kind of pushed to be academic by my parents i think i've got like an irish dad and a uh well my father kind of born in ireland then grew up in the uk and then um my mum scottish and they kind of both wanted their their sons i've got a brother to be kind of academic and push for that kind of university level to, to set me up for life so i did science and i studied biochemistry at uni and i thought i might become a doctor and then um, i actually decided to go into teaching and i think that came from the fact that my mother was a childminder growing up so my mum looked after two to three children from the ages of six months to three years old in my house from the age of two i was so it was all i remember from the age of two till i was 22 even when i came back from university I'd be woken up at 7am by, you know, screaming babies and children being <laughs> dropped off at the house. And picking up a child or picking up a baby was just second nature because it's all I ever knew. Yeah. And I think I had then that kind of led me to, right, teaching is quite practical. Um, I like kids. I like getting on with kids. I was coaching some basketball as well. So I tried my hand at teaching, uh, science teaching, which is actually crazy because you, you just it's just a completely different side of the classroom when you're the teacher and you're in charge of 15 bunts and burners and 30 kids, you know, yeah, <laughs> trying not to kill themselves um, exactly. with fire going everywhere and just metal exploding and all sorts yeah. of stuff. But I loved it. I absolutely loved teaching. And I was teaching North London, a school of 1600 kids. I went through wow. a program called Teach First, which is the equivalent to Teach for America. And actually there's 50 kind of different organizations that do the same thing. So there's Teach mm -hmm. for Nepal, there's Teach for Vietnam, there's Teach for, um, I think, Nigeria now as well. Yeah, there's, there's, they're all over the world. But basically, they they send you into schools that maybe um, have students that are of lower socioeconomic background and are really trying to bring up education and, and level it up for people. And I taught for three years, and that was a hugely defining, I suppose, life moment for me me first kind of idea of proper work i mean i've done lots of other jobs working in bars and working as a cash out checkout person and all sorts of stuff but actually having a full-time job and then being responsible for students education at the age of 22 uh is quite it's quite overwhelming but that's so, kind of where i suppose yeah my education so how did you make that leap into filmmaking from teaching so yeah so i really loved when i was teaching i loved the fact that I had a chance to also, I was quite creative in my lessons. I didn't feel, I maybe pushed it a little bit. Um, I was a bit cheeky because I think the head teacher would want you to run a lesson in a certain way, but I would try and be creative. And I would also sometimes just stop a lesson for half an hour 
and just talk to students about you know what is going on in the world because they would complain about the most ridiculous of things like a 15 minute homework i once remember a girl <laughs> i won't say her name but yeah year 11 so 15 16 years old and i gave them half of the time of the homework that they should have had because i was always about right i just want you to do something that is going to be really beneficial for you mm-hmm. and this 15 minute question uh, 15 minutes of exam questions i want you to do this and it's like oh sir i've got got party this weekend and I said, oh, sorry for giving you homework that's going to help you for the rest of your life. You know, <laughs> sorry for giving you something that's actually going to benefit you. I said yeah. to you, I will only give you something. That... And I said to them, and I said, were you shot on the way to school? And this was probably 2015, 16. Mm-hmm. And a lot around ISIS, a lot around Syria mm-hmm. in the news. And I had, you know, our school had refugees from Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria as well. Uh, a lot of the students in my class were the children of refugees or people that have come over to this country for a better life. And I said to them, go home and ask your parents, you know, how many of you in here are uh, first generation English born? You know, most of them. If And actually the ones that weren't then were, you know, they arrived in the country. I said, you know, you've, you're so lucky to be here. And I don't know if you've ever seen the White Helmets. Um, it's a It's a Netflix film which basically followed the Syrian civil kind of force they rescue people out of bombed out buildings and it, it won an Oscar and the opening sequence of this film is a, a bombed out building they rush into it and they manage to pull out a baby and they're they're all screaming um uh, Allah Akbar God is great coming out of the coming out of a building a child's crying but they're they're celebrating that you know they're pulling people out alive and all of a sudden you just hear and the bomb another bomb hits exactly that building and it just goes black and it just cuts out and i showed them this clip and just it was dead silent in the room of like 30 16 year old teenagers who had just been putting up a little fight about some small bits of homework monday morning 100 percent homework in i don't think i'd ever had that Mm-hmm. And it it was little things like this, little moments where I also had an infamous group of young men called the U Gang, self self proclaimed U Gang. So they they all got ungraded in their mock exams. A bunch of young boys put together, um, and I I taught them, and it, and it was the same thing with them. I would always show them like motivational videos, often around basketball because it was a shared common interest about you know going against the odds and trying to pump them up. And I realized the power that video and film had. I also really enjoyed speaking. And then when it came three years in, I I just decided to, um, I basically kind of burnt out from education. I burnt out from teaching. Mm -hmm. I certainly took too much on. I got promoted too fast. Um, The position was there as a young male with an ego. I wanted more money and a little bit more power but also kind of common sense i was like if i don't take it i'm gonna end up doing this job anyway for less money so did took a kind of position as a head of chemistry at 23 24 and then i also studied for part-time masters in leadership and education at ucl and was writing then a dissertation of twenty thousand words in the summer and i i just decided right this is too much and i took some time out because i, I realized i'd been in formal education whether that was school university or then teaching myself from the age of five and I was now 25 and I was like I've never actually had any choice about when I take a holiday or when I you know what I do with my so I took some time out and then it was from there that 
I managed to do a voluntary trip with the government to work with entrepreneurs. And um, it basically then, yeah, I really realized that ultimately I came back. I, I wanted to do stuff around homelessness. That was something I chose as a teacher in school to talk about, to, to get the students to really care about. And I essentially picked up a camera and started filming people across the UK and then even in Mexico at the Homeless World Cup. And that's where my kind of idea of filmmaking came was I wasn't mm. trained in it. I wasn't any good at it. I learned through YouTube. Right. Um, and I just realized that actually to tell the stories of people who are homeless, I actually needed to film. I needed to use film as, as a as a tool. And I realized it could be a very powerful tool to actually develop that empathy in people. So let's talk about that because how do you feel as a filmmaker? I've I've talked a lot in my book and also as I am sort of a part-time actress in my spare time, which I don't have any of now mm. that I have an eight-year-old. But I really believe that film and story and documentary and art is a great teacher of empathy. It gives us a safe place to practice empathy and practice thinking about cognitive empathy. What would it be like if mm. I was in that situation? For you on the other side of the camera, how do you see film being a tool to engender and cultivate empathy? What what have you seen? Uh, you've obviously shared what you've seen in your classroom, but since now doing filmmaking full-time and telling those other stories, what are some of the transformations that you see and how do you feel that film can be used to create more empathy? Gosh, it's. I think we all can relate to a time. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably been to a cinema. Uh, and I don't think it's just, it's not just so much about the film or the art, whatever art form it is. I also think it's about the environment that it's uh, observed in. So I could I could show you a film on my phone, on a busy train, on a 9am commute, and you've got some headphones in and you're trying to listen and watch it. And it would not have the same impact as it would if you sat in a dark cinema with really good sound and really good visuals. So I think environment is also an important thing to 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 consider. But I think it is just so powerful. And the thing about art and the thing about any art form, whether it's a play, song, film, is that actually everyone reacts to it completely differently. So if I sat everyone in a cinema screening, showed them Star Wars, same cinema, same day, same city, same location, the weather's the same, everything's the same, handed surveys to people outside as they came out, and I said, what's your favourite moment? Where was the moment where you felt, felt most emotional? Uh, all of these questions, they would all have completely different answers. And that's mm -hmm. because all of us have completely different lives. Up until this moment in time, we have all lived completely different past experiences. And I think the power of film is that it allows us to then, it gives us an excuse also to talk about our past experiences. It gives us a reason to reflect on what we've done and where we've been. It gives us hope for the future as well. It brings out so many emotions and so many thoughts and ideas and one powerful thing that i've realized with the films that i make for, for empathy week whether they go into schools is that they are conversation starters so you, i always say you have you have either one of two people when you show a film you either have someone that can relate and therefore feels seen and heard and understood but also has them permission to talk about that and can also bounce off, can reflect their own experiences off someone else so that they don't feel as alien. They don't feel as uh, often people think, oh, it's only me that's going through this. I can't I can't say anything because I don't want to look like I'm making a scene or 
all of these things, all of a sudden that person has a little bit more confidence to say, do you know what? I felt like this in the past, not the same thing, but I can, I can relate. And then you've got the other type of person who goes, do you know what? I had no idea. I had not even thought about that perspective. I'd not even seen that kind of life, but now I have a bit more understanding. Both are just as equally as equally as powerful. But what happens when you have both of them in the same room and then you create that environment where you allow discussion? Oh, it's amazing. I have teachers like come up to me and say, Oh, the lesson the lesson plans are uh they're too long. I said, Okay, well, what's long about? Oh, the students wouldn't stop asking questions. And I said, Isn't that like um isn't that the perfect scenario? You know, where where you have a, a lesson where or a time where students are asking all these questions and I I Go back to teachers and say, actually, this is showing that you need to spend more time talking about this with your students. Mm-hmm. And and we've we all know that if you rock up to a room full of people, it could be students, it could be adults, go, right, mental health awareness week or month, right, who's feeling crap, you know? <laughs> and it, no one's gonna say anything. Right, right. If you show a film and then you give permission for people to mm-hmm. and an opportunity for people to talk about it, mm-hmm. film, songs, art, theatre, cultural events they are the key to unlocking Mm -hmm. emotions perspectives of other people and without them our our world really suffers and i think we saw that through covid where where art was diminished and and these cultural gatherings were diminished yeah absolutely and so what led you to creating empathy week which is you know a worldwide event where schools from all over the world are participating students from all over the world and their teachers what what, how did that come about? If you can just quickly give us a, a yeah, you know, so origin it, it story about, of Empathy Week. Yeah, it came about uh, by chance in a way. So I was I was filming a lot around homelessness in the UK. And then there was a man called John Finnegan, uh, who runs a, a football team full of people who are experiencing homelessness. Again, giving them a chance to play and feel seen and heard. Said, oh, have you heard about the Homeless World Cup? I said, no, what's that? He said, you know, everyone gets together and plays football from different countries. And it was in Mexico that year. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go. Went out there, met the Indian team who then said, do you want to come to India after? And I was, by this point, I was just like, just riding, <laughs> riding a wave of opportunity. And I said, if you can pay for my flight and keep me alive whilst I'm out there, then yeah, I'll, I'll come. Um, so I went out and volunteered out there and I, I helped them develop a leadership course alongside their football programme. And I was there for three months and then I realized, hang on, I'm going to be in the middle of India where I'm going to be alongside these people. I'm going to really get to know them. And I'm, I'm my filmmaking's now got to a good level where I was starting to get paid. It was starting to become my income. I said, I'm going to create some films. And I, by this point, I was doing lots of different projects. I said, I could create some films about these people that it isn't poverty porn. It's not a charity advert. It's not for charity. It's not to raise money. And I think that's really important. Story. I think... Yeah. yeah, I think we could have raised money, but I think it was really important not to do that, to mm-hmm. to really emphasize that this film is about developing empathy, not about raising money. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been so much damage being done uh, by charity in the past where it's played off of people's environment and, and to raise money for a good cause. Okay, but it doesn't change behavior. And this is, I had lots of frustrations when I was a teacher and everything kind of came into one. I was like, I was so annoyed with students just bringing in a pound or a dollar or whatever to, to wear non-uniform for this cause. They, they can even tell me the name of the charity they're raising money for. Mm-hmm. So it's not changing their behavior, which is actually what we need in this world. Because money, money goes, it's fleeting, right? 
But to change the behavior of a student so that they understand another perspective and maybe someone who has a disability and they don't and be able to communicate, with it, that's way more powerful. So I thought, right, we can create these films and I have the trust of these people as uh, this organization called Slum Soccer. And it just started as a project and it just started actually for secondary students ages 11 to 18 um, and just for UK schools. And then other countries and teachers got wind of it started sign up so I'm like well I'm not going to stop them um right, so right. They, they did that and then second year we expanded to primary school so we we now mm. do five to 18 years old so we ha- we f- how it works is that I film uh, an amazing person's life mm-hmm. for 11 to 18 year olds I create a film that's 10 minutes long mm-hmm. it's then slightly shorter and there's di- slightly different topics for eight to ten year olds mm-hmm. and then there's a, a, a five to seven year old version that's three or four minutes long which mm-hmm. is very much just about the students getting to see them, meet them, see their environment. So it's 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 managed for their cognitive level of of education and mm-hmm. and for them to be able to engage with it. And then we have lesson resources that go alongside it to support that learning because it's not right. just about watching a film and then okay done. It's about those discussions. So does the week take place where they log in online and everyone's doing the same, watching the same film and having the same discussion every day? Or do you give them just one film and and one group of yeah. curricula and then they can do it whenever they want during that week? How yeah. does it actually work? So it's, it's, it's changed over the years and we've adapted it just from feedback and, you know, we're constantly learning. It's kind of changed a little bit every year. But what we now say is that, right, Empathy Week, you start it in Empathy Week. This year, for the first time, we've actually got like a series of events, webinars and different things mm-hmm. for students and teachers during that week. So it's more of a celebration of of empathy and, and different concepts. But they start with the five, we now call it like a five-week film program because teachers have said that they they actually prefer to watch one film a week because it's so dense and so much. And right. actually that works better, right? The more, right. the more touch points you have over a longer period of time, it's mm-hmm. going to develop empathy better than a really high spike, you know, a full empathy day and then nothing for another year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually prefer that. That's the feedback we've had from teachers. But ultimately, once teachers have registered, having been a teacher myself, we try and make it as easy as possible, mm-hmm. right, for all the resources. So you get you get even um, certificates to download. We even pre-write a letter to parents that you can just, as a teacher, you can change your school address and then send that out to parents so they know what's going on mm-hmm. and they can get involved. We, we try and keep it as simple as possible in the sense that we have one key teacher at each school that logs in with one mm-hmm. login mm-hmm. because I've been on the receiving end of trying to do something at school yeah, and then you've yeah. got 150 teachers at school 30 of them can't sign in it's just chaos right so we just we we try and keep it as simple as possible but also there's flex there's a structure but there's a flexibility to it as well right and so can can parents participate in it or does it has to have to be through their school so we always ask schools to register um mm-hmm. that's kind of our, our base because also, you know, we've got our our own IP to protect, but also mm-hmm. because we want these films to be delivered in in the way that encourages the development of empathy in a group setting, empathy, mm-hmm. in a group setting, right? And and with with a trusted adult there as well, because mm-hmm. like we're saying, a lot a lot of the time you do not know even your students potentially what they've been through, mm-hmm. and so some of these films in the past that we have filmed, some of them have talked about suicide for the older students. Some of them talked about really serious issues, racism and, and uh, gender, uh, um, gender, gender sorry, identity, brain, gender identity, you know, various, various different mm-hmm. um, discrimination as well. And you might not know that actually a student is right. going through that. And so if that's brought up and they're on their own, right. it might, or they might not want to talk to parent. However, this year, 
for registered schools, we are giving access to the the events platform with the talks and things for parents mm-hmm. to get involved with too. And nice. it's definitely something that we want to continue to do. I always talk about it like the, the triangle, right, of education is really, you know, you've got the school as, a, mm-hmm. as an environment, you've got the teacher and you've got the parent and you've got the kind of the student in the middle. Mm-hmm. And often the, one of them's missing. You yes. know, either the teachers are disengaged or the school's not a good environment or the parents kind of out of the picture. Yeah. And I think if you can have those three around a student, that's what mm-hmm. really brings holistic well-being and really great education. And then yeah. the grades and everything else follows. Right. But I'm so frustrated with that focus on academics at the moment without well, the well-being. I want to talk about the focus on well-being and the catalyst for this event and for the work that you're doing. Um, what have you seen in terms of the benefits that the schools get and the students get from an event like Empathy Week? Yeah, it's it's been amazing to actually go into different schools and see what they've done with it as well. And I, I really like the fact that we kind of trust teachers to take the resources and then, okay, we say this is how we would use them, but every school is different. Of course it is. And not even just every school, every classroom is different. So even within watching the same film within each of the classes in the same school, you're going to get different conversations and different outcomes and different talks. But the important thing is that there is conversation and that it is accepted. And then that is well-being when you can talk openly about yourself, when people feel understood. If you can increase understanding, Mm -hmm. which is ultimately the foundation and core of empathy, you increase Mm -hmm. connection. If you increase connection, you increase trust. If you increase trust, you make better relationships. What's the foundation of, of well-being? good relationships it's the foundation mm-hmm. with your family with your friends with society mm-hmm. and if you then have better well-being you are happier if you're happier and you have great well-being you have greater productivity and we've seen schools now actually involve the whole year with empathy lessons put empathy lessons themselves mm-hmm. they're now trained more about what empathy actually is mm-hmm. rather than them just thinking it's you know the one like okay just trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes because we try and it's a useful saying, but we try and say, you know, I've, I've seen Brenny Brown talk about it as well. Right. I'm sure, you know, you know, it's not so much about you putting someone else in your, sh- in their shoes. It's about walking, holding someone's hand and then bringing you through. And I think we've just seen what well, we've done some pilot research with Cambridge University and Dr. Helen Demetrio, who released a, a paper on empathy in students uh, in 2021 as well. And we've seen that actually our program, even if it's just done for one year the first year that's done there's an increase in self-esteem in students um there's a reduction in othering there's a increased want to find out more about people from other countries from before and after uh, and there's an increased level of uh empathy as well in students and you think oh we, we always talk about okay it's not about one year we talk about building empathy generation and that is from the age of five to 18 hopefully we'll even move into early years from three soon but if you can build that five people's films every year for 13 years of education from five to eight that person will have left with 65 an understanding of 65 different people's life stories now it doesn't 65 you know in in an age where numbers are thrown about and big numbers are used all the time 65 doesn't sound a lot but if you watch the trailer for empathy week just for this year and you see the diversity of fight the five people from the pool chiran who's blind um, you know, completely visually impaired from from birth, but yet talks about his disability as a complete kind of gift and advantage, and he gets to experience life like 
not many other people do. They got Tendi, who's a Sherpa, who's summoned Everest 14 times. They got Bhavana, who talks about gender equality and what it is to be a powerful female in Nepal. Santuana, who is then a teacher entering the education system in Nepal and wants to do her best for the kids. And then Mingma, who talks about growing up in Kathmandu and becoming a teacher himself, but then also his perspective on on life in Nepal from like kind of a cool young guy who's just pretty relaxed completely different stories mm-hmm. and that's just five and you times that by 30 these students when they go out into the working world when they go out into university they don't batter an eyelid at someone who's gay they don't batter an eyelid who's someone completely different race to them or religion or creed or belief they understand that you can speak with someone communicate well with someone and still disagree with them you can eat at the same table as people that you don't necessarily agree with the way they live their life uh, you might even think they're morally wrong, let's say, but you can still talk with them, communicate with them, respect them, understand them, work alongside them. If you can do that, there, I believe there would be no war. I mean, that's a really hopeful, optimistic picture, but, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, I think that the sooner we develop the innate empathy that we already have, instead of letting the muscle atrophy at a younger age, yeah. the better off our future leaders. And, you know, I hate to, I hate to call kids future leaders because they actually can be leaders right now. So, Mm. you know, in terms of the next generation of organizational leaders, whether it's government or for-profits or social impact organizations, or just, you know, community groups, the, the sooner we can help them just flex that muscle. So it's, they don't even have to think about it the better exactly right but but you're right i i completely agree about the future leaders and i i agree students are leaders now as well mm-hmm. but there is also a, a realization that we we need the leaders that are now to to develop this and we've yes. started to do stuff with companies and i know that you are yes. all over companies mm-hmm. and it it will frustrate you as much as it will frustrate frustrate me that how you have to define empathy to these companies and how you Absolutely. have to explain it's not something soft it's not something no. weak but it actually increases productivity all of the research is there to mm-hmm. say that it will increase retention it will increase your profit margins it will increase your bottom line mm-hmm. and and not just increase your bottom line it'll make everyone feel happier they'll want to be at work they'll be less sick sick days off you will have a, a an environment where people thrive which mm-hmm. is ultimately what we try to create at home for ourselves right. and what we want to create at work. But we need the leaders of today to actually get on it because it's no good just... I think that's a frustration with students. In, in the UK, if anyone follows uh, UK politics uh, watching this, they'll understand that we've had, I think, I, I can't even now think, is it three or four prime ministers this year? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> it has been a little bit of a of a... Game of musical chairs there, yeah. It's ridiculous. And you've got the kids in school saying, oh, well, Boris Johnson, our old prime minister, he lied. Why isn't he in jail? Yet we're telling them to be more empathetic and be moral and and talk about honesty and just... And the leader, the number one person in the country, apart from, I guess, the royals or whatever, is lying and then is keeping their job. Mm -hmm. It's it's just absurd. It's just Mm -hmm. ridiculous. And so we need actually our leaders today to really follow... uh, In a life of integrity, a life of honesty, and and put empathy there, and they don't have a clue. There's such a divide, you know. They don't even have an understanding of what food costs. I was watching the news just tonight, and um, you know, a firefighter. They were saying firefighters that are on thirty two thousand pounds a year are using food banks, and this MP has said that's ridiculous. They need to budget better. 
straight away wow. that MP is on a salary of eighty two or eighty four thousand pounds plus all right. of their expenses for the year. But right. you know, there's just obviously an obvious comparison there where they yeah. just there's a complete lack of empathy, a complete yeah. lack of understanding, and that and a want to understand. Has right. that has that MP has that par- parliamentary person even spoken to right. someone? And I think our society is craving for just honesty, empathy, mm-hmm. integrity, mm-hmm. Um, and and it would be so powerful as well. If, well, if I-, and I think it's also about the fact that we've become, and it's very true in the United States, but I feel it. I feel like I'm starting to see it in other developing countries as well. This move away from collectivism to individualism, and this idea mm. that I mean, when you talk about government, for example. I am not going to support any legislation that I myself will never have to use Hmm. versus understanding that there are people out there and you may never have to take advantage of that policy or that law or that organ, you know, that, that investment, but other people do. So it's worth fighting for, especially if they're your constituents, right? There's this very, like, if that doesn't impact me or mine, then it's not important. It's not yeah. priority. And we've got to start moving to this place where our leaders are thinking about things and trying to implement policies across, you know, government organizations that may not benefit them, but benefit yeah. other people because of yeah. the experiences of other people. Yeah. Selfless leadership. And yeah. I, yeah. I also think this is where film, coming back to film, this is where film's so powerful mm-hmm. because. I can show, I can get a group of people together and I, mm-hmm. I do this in companies as well and show them two or three films within a short space of time and on also film and arts, we can communicate very powerful, strong messages in a very short amount of time if you're, if mm-hmm. you're good at storytelling. And within, you know, an hour, I could show four or five different people's films and life stories to someone and they can get those perspectives in a powerful way. Whereas, if you were to do it in person, maybe someone's got to travel. And I think there's a scalability. Right. Yes. So, so with Empathy Week, the design of it is to have a scalability. Mm-hmm. The perfect scenario would be I would pick up loads of kids, put them on a plane, experience, <laughs> they would experience like playing for the first time. Yeah. Then they would get dropped in the middle of Kathmandu this year. See, if only and... the billionaires would spend money on that instead of buying <gasps> social media networks, that would be yeah. great, right? Just but... charter charter like this empathy exchange for everyone, right? Exactly. All, what do you remember about school or education or university? It's, all, it's not the day-to-day in the classroom learning. Mm-hmm. It's that one day that someone came and spoke to you. Yeah, or the field you. trips or, or the, the, yeah, the guest or the trips. Yeah. And what's the first thing to go in a time like now where we're facing mm-hmm. recession? Trips, arts, culture, anything that is not nece- necessary. As Quote, unquote, know, yes. Mm-hmm. For people listening, I'm doing yeah, the air, kind of He's doing air quotes friends. right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because, yeah, we just need... We just need to spend more time listening and and mm-hmm. I, listening, but not just listening, asking questions because people always go listening, 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 and listening's great. But unless you're asking questions, you're not having a conversation and you're not learning. Right. You're right. just onboarding information. Right. The real understanding comes from when you do ask a question mm-hmm. because listening, you might not fully understand still. You can mm-hmm. hear it, but you need to actually go, okay, so you, you said you did this, but why did you do that? Mm-hmm. And I always say with companies as well, um, ag- ag- agreeing with each other and disagreeing with each-, with each other stop generally stop conversations. 
right. and people kind of get the disagreement one and they go agree one i don't really get what you mean i say okay well say you've got a meeting you need to make a decision someone comes in and says right this is what we're going to do and you go yeah no great that sounds awesome let's do it six months down the line you get to a point where like why why has that happened oh no you've agreed this and you realize that actually you can agree on something but with completely different rationale and reasoning behind why you're agreeing without Mm -hmm. explaining Mm -hmm. and we need to ask more questions even if you're agreeing with someone especially in the workplace Mm -hmm. why what's your reason for it what you what 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 are you trying to get out of that Right. Um, because pe- we we just assume that people understand or hear our thoughts and understand what we're saying, and it's not right. it's not the case. And I think if we can lead with a bit more curiosity, mm-hmm. that'd be amazing. And I always say, people always go, right? How do you develop empathy? You know, it's the it's the big thing. How do you, right. like what's the easiest way? And it's always just about increasing the number of experiences mm-hmm. and increasing the diversity of those experiences. And I say to people, if you do those two things, you won't be going far wrong, right? Right. Right. Like just as simply as possible, increase the number and diversity of experience. The problem is, what 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 does that require? Time, sometimes right. money, time well. and access. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's right. it's about how can we? And I think that's where films, again, arts, things yes. can come in and be so powerful as low cost, scalable actions to really change For the sure. perspectives and build empathy sure. in people, and and to leverage them even within organizational teams and leverage film mm. as a catalyst for discussion. I I am part of the faculty of an organization called uh, the Executive Institute on Inclusion, and they put together custom bespoke DEI programs for different groups. And what what holds it together is number one the uh, the fact that they use data that's custom to that organization to show that organization exactly where they need to work on. But also they they partner with a company whose name is escaping me right now to leverage film, especially with the executive team, to get them mm. to crack open very difficult conversations that they're not having about DEI. So instead of hitting them with all these statistics and you shoulds and you must and you need to have, they show film and then engage in a discussion. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, again, the power of film to be able to just, it it brings someone's story to life for you. You get to see them in the situation that they're in. So perhaps you can think about what might I be feeling in that situation? Or even like you're saying, um, I didn't even know that that was what that situation was like, right? So now I have yeah. a new appreciation for your experience. Yeah, and, what and it rehumanizes through. it rehumanizes the workplace, right? right, it, it, right. it reminds people, ah, oh, yeah, no, I am a person, and this is actually my job, and I am yeah. actually yeah. designed to actually right. emotionally connect with people. And right. I think I think the amazing thing about film, and the, the amazing thing about um, this, because you, you're basically describing exactly what I do, right? Put a film right. in, and then right. and then start. And then watch what happens. Start, start the magic. Yeah, yeah exactly. and you never know. And what you need to make sure is you have a good facilitator and someone to 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 craft that conversation. Right, because it, it can be it can be challenging. Yeah, yeah, things can come up. I remember, I remember yeah. doing a, a, a workshop at a conference in Hamburg. It was a creativity conference, mm-hmm. but I was there to talk about empathy. And it was just after Russia invaded um, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about empathy and also, and then all of a sudden, this young lady just kind of shared that she's Ukrainian and that she'd, and it, it was, I think it was a month after, and just mm-hmm. the room went silent. And I think if, had I not had my training experience in being a teacher, because mm-hmm. teaching is, is facilitating, thinking on your feet. Mm-hmm. I used to have kids throwing stuff, swearing, this, right, that, mm-hmm. controlling. 
and you you have to think on your feet and i'm so glad i've had that training at, at my heart i feel like my real you know job is a, as a is a facilitator still mm-hmm. even today mm-hmm. as a teacher yeah and and being able to manage that situation i didn't really know what to do but i could sense that she doesn't she didn't want questions she just wanted to kind of put that but what she put across was that she had seen all russians as evil from that day hadn't want to hadn't want to hadn't wanted to engage with anyone to do with russia and then all of a sudden she'd kind of watched this film and it wasn't to do with war either and i think this is this is the point that i'm trying to make is that you can watch a film about something completely different but you can get trained in that kind of perspective taking mm-hmm. and also the emotional uh, empathy side of it and and building that and then you can you can it's like a blueprint you can copy that onto a completely different yeah. social issue yeah. um even if you haven't talked about it and and use those skills because empathy is a skill you can train it and like mm-hmm. we we're talking about it as a muscle mm-hmm. you can just build it and then all of a sudden you you catch yourself in another scenario or another situation you say hang on i'm I'm judging or mm-hmm. i'm i haven't really asked any questions i'm not curious right. i don't really know what's going on and and this young lady was ba- basically said yeah i've now thought actually hang on maybe not all russians are bad right and that was that was you could just see in the audience like wow and and that was it and then she just wanted to say that she just kind of wanted to say that i right. think that's important as well not not everyone wants to open up you know right, i think that's right. the fear in the corporate space when you go right. in you're like right we're all going to talk about you know Our ourselves and stuff. And yeah exactly you can just see people go melting yeah, yeah. i love that i love that well empathy week starts february 27th Yes. 2023, just a couple of weeks from now. And um, how can schools and teachers engage? Where's the best way for them to get involved? Yeah, great. So the best place is empathy-week.com. Um, then the, across the page, there's register. Quite easy to, to do that. Anyone can also watch a um, film from last year. So there's a bit called free. Even if you're a teacher, not a teacher, anyone can, if they sign up to our newsletter, then gets access to an amazing um, young woman's story called Lipper from last year, who talks about the right to wear a hijab, her choice to wear the hijab and and life as a semi-professional footballer. And the moment that she switched from kind of being a young girl that didn't wear one to a girl that then decided to wear one and the racism that she she suffered. But she's got such an important story. And I think particularly with what, everything that's going on with Iran at the moment that we're seeing there, um, her story is even ever more important. And I think that's, again, yeah, a great thing to watch. So people can get involved that way as well. And um, yeah, at our website. And then we're on social media at Empathy Week on Instagram and Facebook, Twitter at The Empathy Week. And I am Ed Kerwin on all of them. Yes. And we will have all your links in the show notes as well as a link to The Empathy Week um, the Empathy Week event, which I hope teachers, uh, educators, parents who want to bring this to their school will take this and show it to their school and to their teachers and their principals and and really get involved. I think the more we can grow this movement, the better. I mean, and like you said, not just developing that skill of empathy in kids aged five through 18, <laughs> but also continuing to work on it as adults and- Absolutely. Um, I remember when I was researching my book, I interviewed a woman who runs a school where the cur- empathy is baked into the curriculum, uh, Yalda Mudaber of Golestan in Northern California. And I remember asking her if adults, she was one of my earliest interviews with the book. And I asked mm. her, can can 
adults who are not currently very empathetic learn how to be empathetic? And she said, yes, but it's more of an active choice. Mm-hmm. They have to actually decide that that's what they want their identity to be. And they can exercise it every day and build that muscle. And I just thought that was just a beautiful way to remember that it is actually is innate in us as human beings, but the muscle for whatever reason, environment, upbringing, circumstance, that muscle may have atrophied. So there's mm. always a way to strengthen it if we we really, really want to. So Ed, thank you so much for your work and for what you're doing in the world. And I want us to stay in touch because I want us to do more together. Of course. Um, but thank you and good luck with Empathy Week this year. And maybe we'll have you back to find out how it went. Amazing. Thank you so much <laughs> for the opportunity to um, talk. And yeah, I'd love to speak to other people that are interested. So do reach out. Awesome. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Empathy Edge podcast. Please remember if you liked what you heard to share it with a friend or colleague. Don't forget to rate and review, of course. And until next time, remember that cash flow, creativity, and compassion are not mutually exclusive. Take care and be kind. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Empathy Edge. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share the show with others who want to redefine success and change the game. For more on how empathy makes you and your brand more successful, visit TheEmpathyEdge.com. There, you can download a free guide outlining five business benefits of empathy and a free sample chapter of Maria's book, The Empathy Edge. Until next time, remember that a more empathetic world starts with you and leads to tremendous success. Success.